0: Welcome to episode number 181 of the canadian football countdown a proud member of the canadian football podcast network i'm ryan coop here joined this evening by the great michael gerald mike a little sleep deprived a lot of hockey minimal sleep for you this week how are you doing this evening bud
1: good i'm good i was uh able to catch two of the four football games live i recap the other two. Uh, thanks to my friend known as PBR, so just so I know a little bit smart about what I'm talking about tonight.
0: Right on, and myself, uh, I'm back finally from vacation. Was gone for two weeks. Uh, got got to get away for a nice little vacation there. My my sister in law had her wedding out by uh, out one uh, destination wedding out in the mountains, so we got away to Banff for a couple week trip and. Uh, Well, I handed over the keys to the podcast car to Mike, Adam, and Trey, and uh, I spent a lot of time in a car myself driving, but uh, listening to you all recap and preview the weeks in the CFL made the long drives through the fields of Manitoba and Saskatchewan go a little bit smoother, so uh kudos to the three of you for an awesome job while i was away and not gonna lie mike i uh, i started to question whether i even had a job when i came back because you all did so well while i was gone
1: yeah 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 that's kind of like that quarterback that they have in dallas with the cowboys right now number one diane Preston rolls down the starters three and oh that uh, Cooper Rush for an old field back the last year. Um, and now it looks like Prescott's ready to come back. And, you know, there's a lot of self manufactured quarterback controversy. I reckon it not to be the same here. There is no quarterback controversy.
0: You are back in your chair where you belong. Yes, happy to be back. Happy to talk some more football here this evening. Uh, we're here to recap week 17 in the CFL. We're going to f- switch up the format a little bit. Instead of going game by game specifically here, we're the Canadian football countdown. So we're going to try this out. We're going to count down our top storylines from around the CFL this week. We'll bounce around a little bit uh, here and there. Uh, will uh, update our CFL fantasy and our betting results, give our players of the week and update our power rankings as well. We are also live on a variety of different platforms, all made possible by our presenting sponsor game time TV, which you can learn more about at game TV.ca or by following on Facebook at facebook.com slash game TV MB we'll take your comments. We'll take your questions throughout the night. Uh, Trey is joining the folks in the the YouTube chat also here. Uh, Mike, he wants you to tell them how great your color guy was yesterday. Yes, Trey getting in on the hockey broadcast with you a little bit there as well.
1: Yes, yes, he did very well. Uh, so much so that he was invited back for Thursday night. So I'm assuming he accepted that invitation. Um, got a big early season battle for first place in the way
0: too early three games into the season standings right on awesome to see i love to see it uh before we go any further as always we do want to acknowledge that the canadian football countdown is brought to you from treaty one territory traditional territory of the anishinaabe cree Ojakree, dakota and dene peoples and the homeland of the metis nation as well as from Treaty 4 territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. I'd also like to take a quick moment to thank one of our sponsors for this episode of the podcast, Betstamp. There are so many different sports books out there these days, and each one offers you different prices on the same game. Well, how do you ensure you're getting the best value? Betstamp gives you all of the info you need in one convenient place at no additional cost. You simply pull up the game. You can see the odds offered by all the different sports books affiliates. And you can help. uh, You can take a look. Find the one that's going to maximize the return for the pick you want to make. You can sign up for the corresponding site directly through the Betstamp bet link page. Link your accounts to easily track the wagers you make. And if you want extra insight, you can check the commission-free marketplace on Betstamp as well, where you can see the bets that others have placed. And through their verified bet tracking you get the guarantee that the odds uh, shown are verified and legitimate. You can find our consensus CFL picks there every single week under the username CF countdown pod. You can also see Trey's picks uh, there as well at Trey CF countdown, visit betstamp.app or download the free app from your local app store. Use referral code CFC today. Best of luck with your wagers and remember always bet responsibly. All right, Mike. Well, let's get into our first topic here this evening as we uh, talk about some breaking news we got. I believe it was yesterday here in the CFL, which is that the Ottawa Red Blacks have fired head coach Paul Lapolis. Special teams coordinator Bob Dice named the interim head coach for the rest of the season. Um, Your quick thoughts, initial thoughts on this move here by the Red Blacks. I have a love-hate relationship with this move. Um,
1: but let me quickly expand on that. I hate that Paul Police got fired. I love that Bob Dice is the interim coach. How does that make sense? I don't know. You rationalize it for yourself. Um, but again, I, to be honest with you, I don't like this. I don't like this for a number of reasons. Uh, I don't think LaPolice has been put in a very good position to have success. I think this is an Ottawa team that has more holes than meets the eye. Um, Contrary to what we fought in the season of them taking the step. To me, this would have been the preeminent move to the Bombers firing Michael Shea when things didn't go well four years into the tenure. They had every reason to do that. They never did. That's where the Bombers are now. So this coach gets you halfway out of the hole and he can't finish his own job granted but i don't think he's got the talent around him to be successful i think he was he was left on his own to defend and just his track record it's a crappy situation and i don't like it
0: i I'm, I'm completely on the other side of this from you i think this should have happened weeks ago and i think now is the perfect time for it to happen it was that game against Toronto two weeks ago was the final straw, basically, where where all of a sudden, you know, what did, what did you say last Monday? Toronto put up 35 points off of turnovers or something like that. Like, uh, Ottawa was a mess after that game. Then they had the short week going in and playing against BC. Well, they're not going to do it then. Now they have nine or ten days off before their next game here. If you're going to do it, now's the time to do it. I think it's also the perfect time to... You get, what, a four or five game trial in here for Bob Dice before you go into the offseason where, yeah, he seems like he could be a decent head coach. But you're going into next year now where with, you know, you get at least a bit of a trial run with him and then you can decide, okay do you want to extend that to another year for him next season as head coach? Or do you want to go out in the market in the offseason and do it? I think something we've talked about. I mean, we've been talking about this since week four, week five, week six. Like this came up on the podcast every week all season long was. Is Lapalese in over his head? Is it time to let Lapalese go? Initially, I thought the roster needed time to gel, but I think there are enough. I, there are some solid pieces there on this roster to succeed. And I just don't think Paul Lapalese has been making the most out of them. He hardly ever does when he's the head coach, it seems. I think he's better suited as an offensive coordinator. And uh, I'm interested to see where he goes next. But I like the timing what? for Ottawa to make this move now to give Dice some time at the end of the season.
1: Really quickly, who's the new O.C. in Ottawa? Oof. I don't
0: know. Does police have both titles?
1: Well, they've got a couple of
0: guys on that roster. Uh, I believe a few former Bombers, right? Fred Reed, I think, is one of the uh, part of the coaching staff there. Alex Suber, Um, I think, is a part of the coaching staff
1: there. I, I never envisioned Fred Reed to be an offensive
0: coordinator type. I guess we're about to find out. Not going to lie, I didn't even know he was on the coaching staff. I didn't even know he was still in the realm of the CFL at all. Yeah,
1: it, it's just interesting. But again, Bob Dice in the same type of situation. What does he need to do to get the drop beyond next year? Or beyond, beyond this last stretch of the season? Like to, to me, this is about getting a head start on your coach for next year. And then if you know he's not going to come back, why not just let him finish the year? It's not like you're going to make the playoffs.
0: No, I think playoffs are done pretty much at this point for Ottawa. I mean, technically, if you want to look at the CFL standings, I think they can still make it. But this this roster, this the way this team has been playing, unless there's a miracle happening here, they're not going on to make the playoffs. It's, this year is as good as done for them. So you're playing well, in the obviously- next year mode. You know Lapolis is not going to be the guy for next year. You already know that at this point. So, you make the move now and you let Dice do it. I'll make a bold prediction.
1: The new coach of the Ottawa Red Bluffs, Craig Dickinson.
0: For next season, of course. Yeah, for next year, yeah. I like it. Spicy. I like it. Well, we could see some coaches trading places with but uh this week mike we could see some players trading pieces as well places as well as we move on to our next topic here which is the cfl trade deadline taking place two days from now wednesday october 5th uh we don't see trades too often in the cfl this is not like your nhl free agent frenzy we're not doing an eight hour we did an eight hour show for free agency We're not doing it for the trade deadline because that would just be eight hours of mostly silence uh, because very few trades happen. But the last few years, there have been some key ones. The Zach Coleros trade to Winnipeg in 2019 comes to mind. The technically a trade Sergio Castillo for the fourth round pick to the Bombers in 2021. So two championship teams that made key additions at the trade deadline. So what's on tap for this Wednesday? What do you think, Mike? Are there teams that you're looking at that you think could maybe, you know, benefit from making a deal here down the stretch? Or who do you have your eye on this week to make a splash potentially?
1: I actually have my eye on Saskatchewan. And the reason I say that is, do they move some pieces around and try to gain some currency for next year? What does Ottawa's GM do? with a new coach, presumably temporary interim coach, does he move some pieces? But again, it, you know, it's a trade deadline, more like a date on the calendar with one or two moves. Um, you know, it's not like the contenders are going to move pieces around and the, and the Blue Bombers, uh, maybe, maybe. Um, but for me, Bully by Mitchell is a possibility. If you want to do it, do I think it's going to happen? No. Do I think he's a candidate? Yes. Um, do we go as far as Cody Fajardo? I don't think so. But, you know, the the the, the, the to me, I, I see a lot of why this day is a standstill. Um, I'm a bombers. I might try to get a couple of DNs in here. Um, Granted, because you don't know what the status is of Justin Jeffcoat and a couple other guys. Um, Other than that, I mean, it's been pretty quiet. Montreal's made a couple trades this year, more trades than in recent years. Um, Adam suggested Mike the Tights and a first for Boley by Mitchell. Yeah. That would be an
0: enticing move for me if I'm Calgary, I got to say.
1: Well, it makes a lot of sense, right? Because Saskatchewan's depth is defensively. Um, you know, they have a lot of linebackers led by Larry Dean and, and Darnell Santi, So they're trading from a position of strength. I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure that that's going to help them. Because quite honestly, if Saskatchewan loses this game, to me, it's all over. Uh, I think you can throw the crossover away. Remarkably, absolutely remarkably, throw the crossover away. Um, But that being said, the Bombers, when they traded for Kolaros, had reason to do it, had time to do it. The team that would acquire Bully by Mitchell in this scenario does not have time to do it. So with that in mind, it's not like he's going to be in the lineup in two days after being acquired.
0: Sorry, it's just not going to happen. I also don't think that if you're Saskatchewan, unless you don't think Cody Fajardo is going to stick around long term, I don't think you make that deal because I would take Fajardo over Bo Levi Mitchell at their current points in their careers. I'm not taking Bo as my quarterback, uh, you know, for sign him long term unless I'm a team like maybe Ottawa Hamilton who has a ton of quarterback questions. Like I I don't think Bo at this point in his career is that high up.
1: I think here's another thing: we never should undervalue when hop and Dickinson say, that's it. It's time to move on. They know shelf life of players. They're not dumb. If only Vimecho was a good quarterback and should help the Stampeders and would be their starting quarterback, he would be their starting quarterback. The other thing, I think this is a trade like what Adam is proposing that would make the most sense after the season. Especially from Saskatchewan. And by the way, Saskatchewan always has... I was speaking with somebody about this this morning. Saskatchewan always has a thing about it's the quarterback's fault. It's the quarterback's fault. It's the most, quarterback's fault. most places do.
0: Yeah,
1: it's just like in the NHL. It's the goalie's fault. It's the goalie's fault. Sounds, sounds like somewhere else we know. But... From Saskatchewan, if you're really willing to make that move, isn't it cheaper to do it in the offseason? To me, Micah Tights in the first round is a very steep price. And it's not like that's going to help you solve your problems. Yeah, so, I, to me, I'm of the mindset that if there's a smallest trade to be made by anybody, that's what it's going to be.
0: But well, been- can I think. Can I throw one? potential trade and i don't think i've seen this talked about anywhere but this Go is the ahead. first guy that comes to mind to me that i think a couple playoff teams should be looking at here we just talked about ottawa uh, that, dad, no well that's another interesting one but ottawa you know out of the playoffs most likely uh they've got a new head coach they brought in a couple guys in the off season who were very much paul apple players are they still bob dice players i don't know I'm talking about a guy like Darvin Adams I would like to see traded to a contending team here because not, yeah, receiver. He's still a solid receiver. He's not going to be your top 10 receiver anymore, but what he normally brings is the value in the run blocking for his team as well. Right? Like that was a huge piece of what he did here in Winnipeg. So can a team like BC who just lost Brian Burnham to a six game injured list, you know, could they bring in a guy like Darvin Adams potentially? Uh, also help James Butler in that run game. Could Toronto maybe fit him in? I know they're kind of stacked at receiver, but get that run game going. Does Montreal potentially make a pitch? I don't know. Like, I don't know if he's out there on the trade block, but I don't know if that's necessarily a player at this point in his career that, you know, the the Red Blacks are looking to build long-term around. So if you can get an asset for him, you know, it's guys like that that I would like to see traded more often in the CFL, because I think there are deals that could be made.
1: Yeah, that brings up an interesting point about Jeremy L. David I want to I wanna, wanna talk about. But, yeah, just to get back to it, um, that's one area where I think Winnipeg did a little bit of help, Uh, is receiver. Granted, we don't know what the status is of Drew Walatarski, and we don't know what the status is of Greg Ellington, neither of which to my knowledge is practiced in the last couple of weeks. El for sure not that he's on the sixth game. Uh Wal-Tarsky, not exactly sure what his status is. But again, if you're a Winnipeg, right? You're in that position of you have a magic number of two, one BC loss, one Winnipeg win, or one head to head Winnipeg win against BC, and that West finals going a Winnipeg. It's it, it's very interesting. Um because I, I think if you're Winnipeg and you lock up the West, say, this week or next week, I think you can afford to wait for those guys to be ready for one game in November, too. So, unless you know for sure that somebody's not coming back. Uh, DBs for the Bombers might be a bit of a need if there's somebody out there. Um, you know, some of those kids are starting to show that they're kids on on that line. It's very interesting, right? you got to... You gotta pick your poison because I think I think a lot of teams have weaknesses. I don't I don't think there's a perfect team in any league. Everybody has weaknesses, especially in the CFL. It's just what are you going to tolerate? What can you um manage to hide for lack of a better term um going forward? Quickly about Jeremy All Day here today. I, I know. I hope Jeremy Day doesn't do something stupid. Because um, if Jeremy Day makes a big trade, save his job, it's going to come across desperate. But that's me. Uh, I do not expect anything
0: earth-shattering on Wednesday. Yeah, Adam throws a couple other ideas out in the chat. Darrell Walker potentially as a target. I mean, is Edmonton going to be in sell mode maybe with some of those veteran receivers when they've got guys like Dylan Mitchell up and coming? Yeah, I could see that potentially. Uh, or or the Manny show going back to BC. I know he's injured. I'm not quite sure when he's supposed to come back uh, off the injured list. Like, I think there are more trades to be made on any given year than do happen in the CFL. I think that the big reason they don't is because you can overhaul your entire roster in the offseason. But maybe, just maybe, the two-time champs making back-to-back crucial trades that led to their Grey Cup victories over the last two years entices somebody around the league to make a deal to try to push them over the top to win that Grey Cup this year. And speaking of the Grey Cup, the, we're to the point of the season now, Mike, where the CFL's simulation uh, of the greatest odds to make the playoffs, make the finals, make the Grey Cup, come out every single week. And they came out today and everybody is up in arms over the team that has listed with about 40% the greatest odds to win Grey Cup 2022. And it is the Calgary Stampeders. I got to say, I I was taken aback when I first saw this. Now, I'm high on on Calgary. I said preseason, I think that they would be in the finals. I think I had Calgary and Toronto as my team in the final. I think even up to a couple weeks ago, I was pushing. I think Calgary could be the team to beat still out west. They're looking pretty good. They are a good team. But I don't understand the math here because... Well, Ryan, you're a computer guy. You should know the answer to this. I don't know what kind of simulation and what kind of odds they're running there, man, because to me, you know, they can't finish first in the West. They are going to play two games in the playoffs, no matter what, uh, if they're going to go all the way, they got to play presumably BC, maybe Winnipeg in the first round, beat them. Then they got to play the other one uh, in the second round. Then they got to play in the finals against the team out East, which I think you guys had kind of talked about this on the podcast last week about Toronto, you know, have a, having a very good option to go to the cup out East, you know, when presumably win the division, win one game. And that's why Toronto had the highest odds last week. But to me, it just doesn't like, what is it about Calgary? Do you think that people are seeing, they had a big win this week, big, what was it? 28, 29 to two win here for the yeah. Stampeders. They really shut down that Argos offense. That defense did a fantastic job here uh, and kudos to them on that one. But this is a team that's still sitting, you know, right now, third in the West division has the greatest odds to uh, go on to win the gray cup. What do you make of this? Well,
1: it's just weird because to me, like, if you look at Calgary's record, there's something like undefeated or one loss. If you take all, all their Winnipeg and all their BC games, um, I think they are undefeated then, yeah. Yeah, but but, but the issue becomes you got to beat both those teams just to get to the great Cup, you know what I mean? Um, it seems like, to me, more of the team that's hottest at the moment at this point in time. Uh, I would not dispute the fact that I think Calgary is the hottest team in the lead at the moment. Uh, I, I so, think you might later on, Mike, based on what we talked about earlier. Well, to that true that. But yeah, I, I just don't know. And to be honest with you, I do not want to spend time getting my shorts in a knot because football is a one game. I like the first place team's chances of winning one game to get to the great top. However, I believe there was a preemptive message sent how I think even the gap between the top rank team in the East, which is Toronto right now, and i say right now because I think, spoiler alert, I don't think they're going to win the East Division, um, but the, the the game, if you look at the game that was this week, Calgary showed that even the third best team in the West took down the East top team with relative no real drama. So, I, I don't know. Are they thinking this is going to be 2019 third place team in the West going on a run? Because to me, there are no expectations in Calgary. You've lost to both of these teams all season long. I think any win would thrill Calgary fans. Never mind two. I, to me, Calgary's playing with house money and probably has the best defense of the two teams ahead of them.
0: I don't think so. I, they have the best. See, it's tricky. They have the best big play defense, but they also, well, I'd say they give up the most yards and points, which I still think they do give up the most of them, but Winnipeg's kind of trending in that direction with the yardage there as well. But I have, I found on, on the odd sheet, there is the model that they use and it considers the following each team's current win loss record. Opponents already played margin of victory in games previously played in the season. Remaining opponents to play Uh, most recent results, a recent win is weighted more heavily than a win back in week one, for example, Uh, home and away records are included in here. Uh, And the model calculates each team's probability of victory in each remaining game. It then simulates a hundred thousand replications of the remaining season schedule and playoff bracket and keeps track of a number of different things. And uh, out of that all, they determined that Calgary is uh, at 40%, 40 40.64% the odds to win the Grey Cup this year. So, uh, you know, sometimes statistics can predict these things. Sometimes, uh, as much as we want to predict ahead of time, we don't know how the playoffs are going to play out. Last year, they were insane. We had... Cody Fajardo and Bo, was it yeah Cody Fajardo and Bo Levi Mitchell in round one in the playoffs trade picks back and forth all day long. Fajardo yeah. throws four picks, goes on to win. Then they come into Winnipeg and Winnipeg throws like five turnovers, six turnovers, and yeah. wins. It was crazy last year, so we can talk oh, about these oh, odds. We can nitpick. We don't know what's going to happen.
1: That that thing that you just read me taped on remaining schedule. Okay. What if he doesn't have two left with BC that changes the metrics? To to me, I'm struggling with the fact of I I understand they have their formula and it's 100,000 simulations. It still doesn't make a lot of sense. But nonetheless, the bottom line, the game is played on the field. And uh, hello, Steve, in the comments, Uh, a new viewer chiming in I spoke with them today so
0: I'm glad that he found our show right on welcome here this evening and uh, Adam may, may have the uh, the best summary of this that maybe the CFL has a secret Madden like video game and we're just running the simulation on that if they do could they please make it public for everybody we want the Madden game we've been over this many times and we definitely want it uh, well Mike Speaking of simulations, how many times do you think we have to simulate the Edmonton Elks playing at home before we get them finally winning a game here? Uh, As Mike steps away for a second, he will be right back. But uh, I'm starting to question whether Commonwealth Stadium is cursed because the Elks have officially broken the pro football record for longest home losing streak across CFL, across NFL, it just seems to never end, and I picked the Elks to win this past week. I thought they were going to do it. I liked the way they've played lately. I like what Montreal, or I didn't like what I had seen from Montreal necessarily. I st- was, still wasn't sold on them, and Edmonton, they were doing pretty good. They were hanging in there in this game. They were... You know, uh, making their way throughout the game seemed like they got a lead at some point. Okay. Then they uh, turned it over again on a pick six. Uh, Taylor Cornelius, it's tipped, throws balls, tipped at the line, goes all the way back the other way. Tyrese Pavrett, uh interception there for uh pick 6 for the Alouettes then Edmonton they march back down the field and it seems like they're about to score and then they get stopped on three tries from the 5-yard line. Oh, then they get the ball back, a big kick return for like the first time this year they get one of those and then good field position and then intercepted again. Like the Elks just can't buy a win at this point, can they? My Commonwealth Stadium is officially cursed.
1: It's very interesting. It's kind of like Tim Morton's field, the polar opposite. Remember, nobody did win there when they first opened up because everybody was convinced it was the donut bots. Uh, still is. I, I call it the donut bots. But uh, a lot more teams have won there of late. Like, this is just some kind of unbelievable. I know we've touched on this on the podcast before. Edmonton and Ottawa. You think they'd have some kind of handshake agreement to each win in their own buildings? That didn't happen. <laughs> that is that opposite happened. But let's be frank: for our, our friends at the Turf District podcast, I feel so bad for those individuals plus the fans of the Edmonton Outs who deserve better. It certainly doesn't help that their pools. Uh, Victor, uh, Victor, Victor uh how do you pronounce his name, business model, uh, Titting losses on the field doesn't necessarily translate to people in seats. However, it does sound like they have a high uh, season ticket renewal, from my understanding, considering the circumstances. Much better um, than last year, for sure. Yeah, so... Business is growing that way, but I just, like, what's it going to take to win at home? Like, I can remember days in, I don't even know if you remember this, but the late 2000s, the mid-2000s, teams couldn't buy a win in Montreal for, for the longest time. And now it's like the opposite, where teams can seemingly go into Edmonton and go into Ottawa. And that's the free space on the bingo card. To me, to me, it's just it's it's not even funny at this point because you'd think an opponent would come in there and not play well, not have an off have an off night for once, right? That 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 would be your assessment. The fact that this is the CFL record still a
0: pro football record, NFL included. That's and didn't game the game. Cleveland Browns, sorry Adam, didn't they not win a game an entire season?
1: Uh, the Detroit Lions.
0: Oh, the Detroit Lions. The Lions, sorry, and Adam. I think the Browns were
1: another team that did it. But there was a Detroit team that didn't win a game uh, as well. There's been, there's been a couple. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's just interesting, right? Because, and you'd think that that would not be an issue. Oh, Adams is the Browns too. Yeah. So, it, it it's it's interesting because I don't believe that Edmonton has played that badly the last number of weeks. Um, they could have easily have won a couple of games the way they played the last, you know, four to six weeks, let's say. And as uh, Steve tells me, it's the tw- two thousand eight Lions. Uh, thank you, Steve. Uh, but, yeah, no, so it's, it's it's very interesting that way. And is it coincidence? Is it a curse? Don't know because, remember, we couldn't go into Ottawa and buy a win when that franchise first came in. It's funny. It's, it's just one of those things. But, you know, sports is strange, right? Much like the game of baseball. If I may equate that to this example, you watch enough baseball. Chances are you'll see stuff on occasion that you only see once or you've seen once in the last 10 years. You know, it's – and when you watch enough sports, I'm sure you've seen everything, but there's something that you've never seen before but always seemed to happen. It's it's just one of those things that I feel so bad for Edmonton because – It seems like Chris Jones left the first time and that's when this downward spiral kind of started. And, you know, Victor's had to go in there and he's had to do damage repair from, let's just say, the negative. um, Let's just say the negative, you know, business that they had for a while there. Um, You know, get back into the break even ledger and then start moving two steps forward. It's 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 a long process, but we can't just, I can't for the life of me figure out that, you know, why they haven't won at least one game.
0: Even this week, like, Montreal took over 100 yards in penalties again and gave Edmonton an entire drive just based on penalties, basically, that ended up they just couldn't punch it in at the end. I think that was the drive, but... I don't know. It's weird. Every time they have two home games left this year, week number 19, or they go on the road to Winnipeg this week. Then they go are at home to Toronto week 19 and at home to BC week 20. Do you see quick? Yes or no. Do you see the Elks breaking that streak and against Toronto or BC here yet this season? Or are we going That's, to into yeah, another I agree. year? I do because I really don't see this going into 23. I think they're going to be BC. And the narrative
1: is going to be because BC didn't set all those starters in preparation for
0: a playoff game against Calgary. With two weeks left in the season, you think it'll be locked up versus Calgary at that point for BC already? I, I think so because,
1: because I, I, remember, there's a Winnipeg game in there after this week. Uh, if Winnipeg wins this week and BC loses this week, that clinches the West for Winnipeg. If Winnipeg beats BC in that first game, that also clinches the West. So but again, I mean if if it comes down to how much how much do you value home field, right? And if that's still at state, then maybe you don't. But
0: Yeah. If you're Edmonton and Ottawa right now, you don't value home field at all. You want nothing to do with it. They would love to go on the road for a playoff game, but unfortunately it looks like that will not be the case this year, but let's move on to our next play all their games on the road and just be done with it. There we go. That's the, that's the strategy. Perfect. Uh, Mike, let's move on to our next topic here and I'll let you talk about a guy that I know is near and dear to your heart. He's on your fantasy team. You picked him in our fantasy draft. You're very excited to watch him play this year. And that's Winnipeg Blue Bombers wide receiver Dalton Schoen, who set the Bombers record for most receiving touchdowns in his rookie season with 11 this week. He also passed 1,000 receiving yards. Uh, Tell us a little bit about just uh, what you've seen from Dalton Schoen this year and how important he's been to the success of the Bombers.
1: Dalton Schoen ain't your average rookie. That's the best way to put it. Um. Michael Shea, I think, told the TV broadcast this week that uh or the broadcasters anyway that uh, you know, he was a professional. He's been a professional since day one. Um you know, we've seen rookies have an impact, you know, throughout the year, but we've seen them drop off on occasion. You know, we you have a dead eight week stretch, you have a dead ten week stretch. Teams start to figure you out, and then, you know, you kind of fall off a little bit. To me, I see it the exact opposite. I, Dalton Sean's gotten better as the year has gone on. And and the interesting part about, you know, Dalton Sean is, I would compare him to a guy like Ben Trahoon. you know? Everybody kind of says, yeah, but Greg Ellington is Mr. Setting Down, but he hasn't been around. Um uh, You know, and I think it was Adam and I that had this discussion. I mean, Adam and I had this discussion. I think it was Adam. But it was basically that to have a rookie do what he's doing, and then you lose Darvin Adams, and you lose uh, Kenny Lawler, and you lose Ellington for most of the year, and you lose. Drew Walatarski, well, enter Brendan O'Leary-Orange, enter Dalton Schoen, and enter uh, uh, O'Leary-Orange. Uh, Carlton Ngedosi yeah. came in for a couple Mishibili games. And then Bailey stepping up, too. And, you know, Greg McRae stepping in, you know. It, it's, it goes to show but you do not need a $300,000 receiver to have success. And am I going a point this at Kenny Lawler, who who got hurt in that game, you know, on first game back from, you know, missing three weeks? Sure. But, you know, this is as close to a slam dunk of a Rookie of the Year award as there's going to be. You don't even need to take a vote, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, if this is anything but Dalton Sean won on the ballots for everybody, then you clearly haven't been paying attention. This is a guy to me that had a very quiet game on, on Friday for the most part. But he always makes that one big catch. Just that quiet, 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 quiet. And then he comes out of the weeds and he makes that big catch, you know, to set the bomber offense in motion. Sorry, guys. Enjoy Dalton Show. I'm always here because 2023, Might not have a Dalton Schoen in the Blue Bomber lineup.
0: Yeah, and I feel like, you know, in the CFL, we really don't have such huge expectations for rookies playing their first game, right? Like, we we don't have a ton of expectations coming into the year. We had some for Dalton Schoen. We saw flashes in training camp. But surely we couldn't have expected this. And you look at the NFL where... Okay, you look at your first-round draft picks. You know, there's been a number of wide receivers this year that are super hyped up across the board. One was playing in London yesterday. Uh, You know, Chris Olave, a big big game for him yesterday, stepping up for the Saints. Now look at me flexing my NFL knowledge. I'm into it this year. Um, But Dalton Schoen has been an incredible addition, and you're right. There's There's no question about it. He's the rookie of the year. I don't even know who else you'd put up against him for that award. And uh it's incredible to see, and uh, kudos to the Bombers' scouting department for getting that one done. Uh, yeah, and it just goes to
1: show that they're a lot smarter than the NFL scouts once in a while.
0: Yeah, occasionally, yeah, yeah, for sure. No, the scouting department has done a fantastic job. Well, you mentioned earlier on in the show, Mike, that uh you're not necessarily taking Toronto to finish first in the East Division, so. Well, based on our conversation, we're not talking Ottawa, probably not talking Hamilton. I have a feeling you're talking about the Montreal Alouettes, who did pull out the win against the Elks here in this week's game. I was surprised when I looked at the schedule. Five wins in the last six games for the Montreal Alouettes. They're one win back of first in the East behind Toronto. Is this a dark horse team that we're all sleeping on here going down the stretch? Because I think I am. I don't think I've been high on them all season. Like I picked Edmonton to win this week because I didn't make much of Montreal. And maybe it's because of the chaos of their penalties every single week and all the discipline talk around them and everything that I just haven't been sold on Montreal to this point. And I think some of their depth has been questionable. Um, but this is a team that's winning football games right now. And that's like, and they're doing so at the perfect time of the year. And for me, I think you talked about this with Adam last Monday, a little bit. The big, big thing is William Stanback is coming back in a week or two here for the Alouettes. And is that going to be the one extra force they need to push them over the top here?
1: To, to, to look at the running back is their one missing kind of ingredient. Uh, they've, They've had Walter Fletcher. They've had Antwi. Um, they had a running game that looked pretty good for half a game until he went down in week one. Um, you know, running game is kind of that one question, right? And Adam keeps referring to the, the Montreal Buckleys. I'm assuming that's because it tastes awful, but it works. Um, I love, love it. To that effect. Um, but, no, I, I just think if you look at their remaining schedule, two with Ottawa, home and away, and then two with Toronto, which could loom very, very large. Um, Granted, the reason I am going to say that first place goes to Montreal is quite simply this. Toronto's defense, um, as good as they've been, I don't think they can keep up the pace of scoring a lot of points. They have seemingly one or 2 pit pitch-sits the the game, or one or two pits in which they set their offense up pretty good, case in point. I think it was the, the, the game two weeks ago. Now, move ahead to last week, it was, you know, Calgary, and this was a measuring tip game for Toronto. They still have a ways to go in my mind. I'd I'm hesitant to, I'm hesitant to suggest that, you know, Toronto is a good team. They are, but they play a lot of teams in their division that aren't necessarily that good. Now you put them up against a Western team. Granted, they're a missed point after away from going to overtime with the Bombers early in the season. Uh, That, that is very very good. But I like where Montreal is defensively. I like where Toronto is defensively. Um, I, I like where where Montreal is with Trevor Harris. Um, but I, for the life of me, if there's one thing that scares the you-know-what out of me, Ryan, it's the ineffectiveness of Jake Winneke. I, I just, like, I can't figure it out. He He, to me, seems very, very quiet compared to where I had him slotted. I had him as a five top five receiver in the CFL coming into this year. You know, you you could bet like to differ on whip me on that one if you want.
0: No, but, I was there. I was there too on him.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a scary proposition. But we have yet to see the best of Jake Winnett. And if Jake Winnett can start kind of building off what they're doing with Gina Lewis and a couple of these other big name receivers that have suddenly emerged. I think Montreal is going to be a big big problem. And I'm not so sure but I'm ready to anoint Toronto as the East representative quite yet.
0: I I was a couple of weeks ago. Like I was uh saying a few weeks ago that yeah, I think Toronto is my current favorite to win the cup this year because you know they go into the playoffs, they win that, you know, lighter East Division, the West is gonna be a dog fight, then you go on to play in the finals. I think Trey had said the same thing as well. We were on the same page with that one. But now seeing this with Montreal and knowing Stanback's coming back, like, that could be a huge boost. I think William Standback is the best running back in the CFL. I think Kadeem Carey's getting there. I think that, that's, that's a close conversation between those two. But Standback to me, when healthy, is the best back in the CFL. So you add that into that offense where right now they've been splitting the run game here and there. That bolsters it a little bit more. That's a huge weapon for them to use. Maybe that takes some extra pressure off of Trevor Harris here and there. You know, if the defense can play up to the level they've played most weeks, yeah, I think they have as good a shot as anybody at this point to get in the playoffs, and what a story that would be. Guy goes down week one due to injury, misses the entire season, comes back in October, and, uh, you know, just turns it up a notch and leads his team on to win a Grey Cup and wins Grey Cup MVP perhaps in in the middle of it. I could see a situation where that happens with Standback here. I'm still so scared, though, that it's going to come down to a crucial moment in a playoff game, much like Adam says in the chat. uh, You know, it just can't get high on a 100-plus-yard penalty team in the playoffs. It's going to come down to something, down to the wire. They need a defensive stop in the playoffs, and they're going to take a pass interference call that's going to put a team in field goal position that they're going to go on to kick the game-winning field goal. That's how I see it ending for Montreal, unfortunately. And as much as I think Stanback can propel them to that next level to take them all the way, I think it's going to end for Montreal in heartbreaking fashion in the playoffs if they don't get that discipline together. But that's the thing. If they can show they can down the stretch, then they're my favorite perhaps because, yeah, five wins in the last six games, huge for Montreal. And uh, they've got a good shot, like you mentioned, to win that East Division. And,
1: and and suddenly that that third place team, whether it's Hamilton or Saskatchewan, isn't exactly a pushover
0: either. No, I don't think it is. I don't think it's that easy of a fight to any day for any teams in the CFL playoffs. I think it's so unpredictable. Uh, I have as we're gonna have to make predictions, I guess. What four weeks from now? On uh, our official predictions and I might have to get the lucky coin out for some of those again, because uh, it's going to be tough, Mike. It's going to be tough. But but you mentioned the Saskatchewan Rough Riders there a little bit. And uh, this week they fell to Winnipeg Blue Bombers again uh, and the Riders faltered. But boy, did Cody Fajardo put up a fight in this week's game. Uh, This is a guy that, you know, the team. They were down and out late in the game. They lost 31-13. It seemed down the final drives as the defense just gave up. I think Brady Oliveira ran like 50-something yards on one drive alone, just 10 yards after 10 yards after 10 yards. A lot of the guys, it seemed like there wasn't a ton of fight in this game. But I got to give kudos to Cody Fajardo. It's been a bleak season for the Riders, and things aren't looking fantastic right now, obviously. They've got a huge matchup coming up with the Hamilton Tiger Cats this coming week. But this is a guy who is coming out in the media and saying it's been really hard on him to get all the boos from the crowd, and he's feeling definitely the pressure and the heat over here in Saskatchewan uh, for, you know the pressure on the team to win from the fans and things like that. And he knows uh, the bulk of it is on him and he knows he's playing beyond just this season. If he is a free agent coming into next year, you know, is this a guy that wants to come back into Saskatchewan or is this a guy that's going to look for a big payday from somewhere, say like Ottawa, right? So yeah, that situation's looking bleak here. But I was encouraged by a lot of what I saw from Fajardo. And it wasn't, yes, it wasn't all pretty. I know in our group chat, chat, we were chatting a little bit about the game. And, you know, Adam made some good points. He was forcing balls downfield when he had an open receiver closer. But I saw a lot of, you know, Fajardo, who we talked about injury issues and concerns earlier in the season, was throwing himself into the line of fire with a couple big runs here, with a couple, you know, rollout passes here in this one. Uh, I saw a lot of effort from him on a team that seems like lately, at times, there hasn't been a ton. So that's my takeaway. Rough game for the Riders here. Real tough one for them. But uh, you got to give it to Cody Fajardo here, uh, right? Mike, uh, what what do you think is happening? What do you think happens with him down the stretch here and coming into next season?
1: I think I saw enough to show me that Cody Fajardo cares. The question is, what are they going to do to surround them with some help? Um, It's something different every week. Food poisoning. uh, Touchdown Atlanta. uh, Injuries. uh, You name it. There's no excuse for a couple of the plays that I saw from Saskatchewan. Most notably, that I drop in a wide open pass in the end zone, which would have given uh, Saskatchewan the lead, I think, at the time uh, in the fourth quarter, And the Bombers turned it around and literally that drop was like this drop that woke up the giant, basically. Um, but then there was that one play that was near the sideline and Pajardo throws the ball. And to me, there's just no other way to see it than the guy stopped. Um, to me, I think the excuse that he thought it was going out of bounds is a little bit soft to me. Um, Kevin Jones is, to me, a guy that's fighting for a job for next year that I think is easily replaceable. He didn't do a good job to me To to... He didn't put enough on tape for me to consider that he's going to be a returning player with that kind of effort. Yeah, Um, that that was
0: terrible. I don't know what was happening on that interception. Tevin Jones just gave up. And
1: credit to the bomber defender for seeing what was going on and being alert with the situation. Um, But again, that's not... That's not... Pajardo's fault. Pajardo's tried. He's had... A lot of a running game. He's had a lot of an offensive line. He's had an offensive line, but can't help him because Dan Clark unfortunately can't stay healthy.
0: He's back this
1: week. He has a D line that cannot get any pressure on the quarterback whatsoever. And that's a big problem. And that's not just a it's happened ever since Derek Marino was released. But he would tell you it has. Well, he would tell you if you let that um, if you let that um, if you look at past results. The bottom line, I'm gonna say this right now. Adam, I hope you're listening. I hope Ryder Nation is listening. Cody Pajardo is your team MVP this
0: year. I think it's Mario Alford, but.
1: Well, okay. And, if you, and I think, if you to... I,
0: to, to, to be fair, I didn't think that until Adam suggested it when we were chatting the other day. I think it makes a ton of sense because he's had a couple big returns for them. Right.
1: But if you look at the heart and soul of a team, like, it makes me very disappointed when a fan base thinks that it, it seems to think that it's the quarterback's fault every single time. It's his fault that the receiver dropped the ball on the two-yard line when it's wide open. All he got to do is open his hands. It's his fault that the receiver stopped running on a ball that was going out of bounds and was alertly intercepted. It's his fault that three running backs go down, including the starting running back, Keenan LaFrance, this week. It's his fault that the offensive line can't keep him upright. At some point, there has to be some some reflection. But this isn't just about this isn't just about Cody Pajardo and all. What, when did team sports become about one individual? I that chat, there's no I in team, only an individual. The riders need to wear this as a team. Their management needs to realize their faults. And quite honestly, I think they got too much pride to realize it. Craig Dickinson lost the room weeks ago when it came to discipline. Contrary to what he's saying, to me, I just don't see any way about this. If you blow this playoff lead that you had, which was six or eight points, completely unacceptable. If you find a way to miss the playoffs, that is a house cleaning from top to bottom with whatever chemical you want to use. To get rid of the
0: stench, I I like what uh, Trey put in the chat, which uh, he's started the motion for Gainer the Gopher as the Riders MOP, citing so he's put in a work pumping up the crowd this year when it's been hard to do so. Uh, seems like we've got a couple people in the chat uh, uh, on board with that one as well. Uh, just to wrap this up, you know what this performance by Fajardo reminded me of? This reminded me of vintage Michael Riley, a guy that, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. tried to put the that. team on his back uh would run with the ball to do so sometimes ill-advised you know it even riley not well advised in a lot of those situations but trying to will his team to win unfortunately it did not go that way for the riders this week uh speaking of quarterbacks let's talk about one who uh had a bit of a bounce back game this week and that was vernon adams jr who Uh, Put up a solid 300-yard passing day. Two touchdowns his first two with the Alouettes. And no picks this week against the Ottawa Red Blacks. uh, And they put up a 34-19 win. Seems like the team got back on track. That being said, they were playing Ottawa. So my my quick question for you here, good sir. Is Vernon Adams back? Was this the start of a resurgence for the BC Lions? Or is this a one-off against a bad team?
1: Start of a resurgence. Okay. Well, let's look at this one of two ways. They split with Calgary,
0: correct? I think they had two, they have two wins, Calgary has one. So they've got the season series.
1: But with the home, the home and home recently, yes. they split, yes. right? Yeah. Okay. And then this type of performance. To be blunt, I'm not sure this is the start of a resurgence rather than Vernon Adams taking care of business this week. And doing what he should have done. And doing what he did and what he should have done. And that's win against a football team that he has no business losing to. The, the thing that he has to keep in mind is he needs to follow this up. It's He's too much talent. He's way too talented to be consistently inconsistent. He looked like he was an MLP last week. While the week before, it didn't look very good. So, Vernon Adams at height of good Vernon Adams gets two thumbs up. Vernon Adams low in games where he doesn't play well and has gets benched is The low, 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 low part of this game. The problem with Vernon Adams, and I think something that he has to juggle with, is his highs are too high. His lows are too low. He has to figure out how to manage that. Is is he bad? Sure. He won a game, but he should have won. Show me in Calgary. Show me in Winnipeg. I think these Winnipeg games, You know, next week, part of me doesn't want the Bombers to clinch first in the West this week because I want at least one of those BC games to mean something. Just for the sole purpose that I think that first game wasn't an exact indication about how Winnipeg and BC are and how close they actually are. I want to see this team play, these two teams, Winnipeg, BC. At least one game with some significant implications. Maybe even two. Because everybody said, yeah, BC is close to Winnipeg. BC is close to Winnipeg. Uh-huh. But the score says that the game was a blowout the last time two team played. So that's different. That was Nathan Ward. This is Vernon Adams. Vernon Adams has all the talent in the world. He just has to find a little more consistency in the game. And his highs better not be so high. Better yet, his lows better not be so low. So he's better off trending in the middle. And sure, I hate to say it, Vernon Adams, the game manager, sounds good. His old monitor came back, though, this week. But that's not going to work in the playoffs. And I think if BC is going to find their way back into this playoff scenario the only way i see it happening is if bc played that west semifinal at home i don't i don't think bc's capable of winning two road games to get to the great cup and then the great cup
0: no i i agree and i agree with your assessment of vernon adams jr as well that uh you know he's got high highs and low lows it seems and I uh, know it's very inconsistent at times. I think this was a good building block. It's hard to know how much to make off of a win against Ottawa. Show me against Toronto, the team currently sitting first in the East division. I think they play each other this coming week if he can strengthen together another solid game there. Again, he got a little bit involved in the Russian game, not as much as I thought he would. Uh, but uh, certainly, this is a good sign for the team as a whole. Not even, not only Vernon Adams Jr., but James Butler was running well again this week. You know, some of the receivers, Lucky Whitehead, Dominic Rhymes, got back on track. I know Whitehead did go down due to injury, though, so maybe that's another piece they're missing. Hence, why you know, maybe my suggestion earlier on in the show about Darvin Adams as a trade deadline acquisition makes sense for. For BC, depending how that injury is, I know he's not the same type of player, obviously, but they could maybe use some wide receiver help a good building block this week, we will see what they build off of in the coming games against stronger teams. So I think is the fair assessment on this one. And uh, the team they're going to be playing this upcoming week is the Toronto Argonauts, who this week, the storyline for them is it was all defense. It was no offense. They scored their season low two points. I think that might be a league-wide season low, not even managing a field goal. Two, two singles. I don't think we had a shutout. I don't think we had any single points this season. Uh, two points on the week for the Toronto Argonauts. Their defense did it again. We, you guys talked about this last week on the show about how their defense seems to make miraculous plays, put up huge fantasy totals, which is good for me. I like that. Um, but you're the talking, off, you're talking to somebody that had Calgary's defense in the lineup, so yeah, exactly. You get it. Um, but it just seems like uh, this We it seems like most weeks they struggle to put a ton of touchdowns on the board offensively. This week, they couldn't even put up a field goal. So what happened here for the Argos this week uh, against a passing defense that normally you can put up a ton against in Calgary? Uh, I don't know what it was. But do you think there's anything to the gamesmanship between Toronto and Calgary sharing so many former players of one another? Is Is that outlandish to think? Or what happened here that they just couldn't get anything done offensively?
1: Yeah, it's very interesting to me. Um, I hope this is a one-off. I want to see the Uh, follow-up. The suggestion that I have is if the Toronto defense doesn't force turnovers and give adequate field position to that offense, I don't think that offense is good enough to win a game on its own. Um, I think the defense can try for two and a half quarters like they did to keep this a football game. But there comes a point where you're just on the field so much that it just doesn't work. Now, one-off? Possible. What's the follow-up look like? And now is there some question about the Argos playing a west team and potentially the great top because we were ready to anoint the ardos the top team in the east now let's see let's see because this is they played the a top four team in the CFL they themselves in my mind are a top four team I would at the power rankings later but I think this is a preemptive warning shot to the Ardol's that the West ain't the East, and you better be playing at your best, or you're gonna end up with two points.
0: Plain and simple. To me, it's a question mark of the offensive game plan in this game. We've talked in many times in recent weeks about AJ Olette and that run game and getting them involved more in that. They throw a lot of dump passes to them, but they don't run the ball much and. He had nine carries for sixty-six yards. He averaged seven point three yards per carry in this game, and it's not like this game was out of reach early on. Like it was a 0-0 game in the first at the end of the first quarter. Okay, Calgary scored fourteen at half in the second quarter, fourteen to two at halftime. No scoring at all in the third. We're going into the third quarter. You're down by twelve. Like, you can't tell me the Argos, if they were running the ball this well, couldn't have given the ball to OED a couple more times to open things up for that offense. They have so many talented receivers available. But you got to do the two-way game here a little bit, and uh, we could talk on and on every week about the run game here. It's one of Trey's keys to the game, run the ball. And I don't think the Argos did that very well this week, and uh, I think that bit them here. in a game that was close early on, a tight defensive battle uh, in this one, and uh, their defense did everything they could. I mean, they held Jake Mayer to under 200 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. But uh, not enough when your offense is only putting two points up on the board, and uh, and when your offense gives the other team points in the form of a pick six, that. Also does not help for your team. Well, those are our top storylines for week number 17 in the CFL. Uh, Let's move on and take a look at uh, the fantasy, the betting results, power rankings, all that fun stuff to wrap it up here. Uh, And let's take a look at our fantasy league results here. The CFL podcast fantasy league. Myself, Adam, and Trey have been playing in this, but against others from around this other CFL podcast all season long. Final week of the regular season this week, uh, where Adam put up a big win over Oz from Rouge, White, and Blue with 94.8 points on the week. Put up 10 uh, to finish the season, 10 and 6 on the year, and in fifth place. I'm going to skip over Trey for a second here and come back to him. Uh, myself, I put up 85.8 points this week. I did lose to the guys from the X's and Argos uh, podcast. 12-4 uh, and 4 record for me on the season. I finished second place because uh, Andrew from the Turf District did finish one win ahead of me and claimed the regular season crown. Trey had the bye week this week, but those points count towards the tiebreakers. 87.7 points for him. A solid week for him. An 8-8 and game or eight and eight on the season falls just outside of the playoffs at ninth place here because of some absurdity to end the season. There was about a four five way tie coming into the final week of, uh, potentially we Trey, had
1: trade going to be on your case, Mr. Commissioner about a play in round.
0: Yeah. Well, unfortunately there is no play in round, but, uh, no, Brazilian tie from two and out uh, for the CFL podcast needed the win, needed the, to beat Trey in the tiebreaker this week, put up the highest total out of anybody participating all week. Travis from two and out also needed a, a key win. Won his matchup by 0.6 points on a Luther Hakuna Vanu catch with less than a minute left in the game to knock Trey out of the playoffs and claim the final two playoff spots there. So it just wasn't meant to be... So many things. All you needed, Trey, was Uh, just a little bit more from Jake Mayer, a little bit more from uh, Reggie Bagleton. But Luther Hakunavanu, of all people, was the one to to unfortunately knock Trey out of the playoffs. So his... Fantasy season here is done. Adam and I do move on to the playoffs this week. We're down to the final eight teams over the next three weeks, and uh, we'll see if one of us can bring home the title for the Canadian Football Countdown. It's interesting because I've tra- I think Trey, I think Trey feels exactly
1: the way the Toronto Blue Jays felt last season, uh, missing the playoffs by one game and a bunch of stuff happening on the last day of the season. The good news is, Trey, the Blue Jays are in this weekend to start the playoffs, potentially at home. And as Trey says in the comments, now I can focus on NFL and NHL fantasy. Um yes. Until the next heartbreak. And that's the problem when you play in so many fantasy leagues. You're darned to get on the short end of the
0: stick, of a lot of things, um,
1: but that's the way
0: she goes. Well, speaking of multiple fantasy leagues in our uh, season-long podcast fantasy league, here's some good news for Mister Trey Colbeck, who uh, officially moves up into third place in the season totals, passing Adam. Uh, this week's results, Mike, you had the highest score at 103.3. Uh, what did it, Tell us a little bit about your lineup this week.
1: Yeah, my lineup had Olivera, Oliveira, Rhymes, Henry, Schoen, Beattie, and the Calgary defense. Um, very, very good week for me. Aided by Zach Tolaros and Brady Oliveira. Also, had 100-yard games from Dalton Schoen, and I think, I think Ryan's also had a 100-yard game, just inside or outside a 100-yard games. The problem is I did a lot of 100-yard games, but I don't get the touchdowns from my receivers. Um, yeah, that's
0: what, that's where I get
1: my big points every week. Well, I seem to always get those your, touchdowns. Your big points were in the first nine weeks when you had uh, a quarterback who I'm convinced is not human leading, your way, leading the way for you. So as far as I'm concerned, the title was wrapped up for you nine weeks into the season.
0: Yeah, yeah, basically. Now we're just playing for fun. Uh, and, now and now you're just hoarding a bunch of keepers for next year. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's exactly the plan. Uh, Trey did finish second this week, though, 97.2 points just behind you. Uh, Vernon Adams Jr., A.J. Olette, a huge game by Nick Dembski, DeVaris Daniels, Reggie Bagleton, Sean White, and the Hamilton defense, even though they were on a bye. Uh, so would have actually beat you if he put Hamilton, uh, if he put Winnipeg's defense in this week. Uh, but still a second-place finish for Trey. Uh, myself, 77.6. Not my best week. Uh, Taylor Cornelius, uh, Kevin uh, Brown, uh, Dylan yeah. Mitchell, uh, Curly Gittens Jr., Eugene Lewis, Rene Paradis, and the Argos D for me. Uh, no huge performances, but some decent ones there. Uh, Adam, rough week again. 32.5 points for him. McLeod Bethel Thompson had a terrible day. Keenan LaFrance, Brandon Banks, DeMonte Coxey, Lucky Whitehead. Uh, Brett Lauder, Saskatchewan's defense made up Adam's total uh, roster there. Uh, Richard in the chat asks, who has Lewis Ward? I did earlier in the season. I dropped him. I believe Adam might have him on his roster right now. Uh, Season totals on the year. I'm at 1634.1. Mike, you are in second at 1463.1. Trey in third at 1189 and Adam at 1176.2. While the other league does end the regular season at this point, we're going all the way to week 21. So uh, four weeks to uh, see if y'all can catch me here in the standings, but uh, good luck with that. Let's move on to take a look at our betting results this week and our betting results, uh, betting segment is brought to you by bet Betstamp. Betstamp's stamps free app that helps you find the best value for your online sports betting wagers. It provides you comparisons of the best odds across a variety of different sports books, including the bet stamp recommended best odds, which we use every week for our CFL picks against the spread on our Wednesday night preview show, Trey, Adam, and myself. You can learn more at betstamp.app, sign up with referral code CFC to take a look at those every single week. Now, taking a look at how we did this past week, uh, two and two weeks for Trey and myself, uh, we both picked uh, Winnipeg at minus eight and a half and BC at minus six and a half uh, and got those right. Uh, we took Edmonton plus 3.5 and Toronto at plus 6.5 and got those wrong. Adam agreed with us on the last three games, but did take his beloved Saskatchewan Rough Riders at at plus eight and a half, which did not hit. Uh, So two and two weeks for Trey and me, uh, one and three week for Adam. And consensus picks on the week, uh, we went two and two as well. Overall totals on the year, Trey is at 38 and 27. I am at 35 and 30, Adam 32 and 33. Uh, And since we started tracking our picks on BetStamp, our consensus picks have been 20 and 17. So uh, making a little bit of money still if you follow along with our consensus picks here. And I believe 21 games left to pick in the regular season. So we'll see where we finish off at the end of the year here. Uh, Remember, keep it fun, just for fun. uh, And uh, always bet responsibly. Do not bet the farm or anything else of uh, extreme value to you. Let's take a look at our players of the week here, and uh, we'll start off with, uh, well, Mike, you want to, you decided to cause some chaos this week, so uh, tell us why your player of the week, again, player of the week, is an entire football team.
1: Yeah, um, I'm taking a note from our pal, Adam, who is known as Farmer in Saskatchewan on YouTube, you can see him in the comments. By the way, puts great videos and content together. So I encourage everybody to check it out. So in his power rankings, he always seems to add a team that, you know, deserves to be higher than, well, in some cases, the Saskatchewan Roughriders, Riders. In other cases, the Edmonton Elks. So I thought to myself, how can I enter this game of a little bit of chaos? So, as for reasons that have already been discussed on this show, five wins in the last six games, a team that seems to be headed in the right direction, has a very underrated defense and a quarterback that is not turning the ball over, plus a team that is starting to use their receivers more effectively, plus they're getting some help down the stretch, presumably in William Standback which I think is going to make them even more dangerous because I think that's the lone thing separating me from considering the Montreal uh, Alouettes is the top team in the East.
0: Well, the rest of us follow the rules of Player of the Week. Oh, I didn't
1: uh, know there were rules. Sorry, Ryan.
0: Oh, uh, you know, hey, I'm back now, you know, we got to get this house back in order now that I've returned. Uh, no, it, it's, it's, I'll allow it, I'll allow it. Uh, but I went with Vernon Adams Jr. as my player of the week. Again, 77.3% completion rate, 305 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. I uh, even added almost 40 yards on the ground. I like what I saw from him again. Is this the real deal for the rest of the season? I don't know, but something to build off of a bit of a confidence booster here as well for him. uh, Adam gave his player of the week on the defensive side of the ball, to cam judge from the Calgary stampeters. He had six tackles, had an interception for a touchdown again, huge defensive efforts to win that game for uh, Calgary. Uh, And who did Trey have as his player of the week, Mike, you want to give that one? Yeah, sure. Um, Trey Pitt, a
1: dive very near and dear to my heart. Uh, Dalton Shone four catches on eight targets for 125 and one touchdown. Uh, some consternation going on in the chat about what happens if Dalton Shone catches, you know, those four targets. Let's get this clear. 125 yards on four catches. Let's not get overly greedy here as much as, my fantasy team would have enjoyed that uh, to put more of a lead on everybody this week. But you know what, Dalton Schoen, it's exactly what I said earlier. Um, and if Trey hadn't picked Dalton Sean, I probably would have. Uh, not a lot of catches, but when he mates the catches, especially of late, um, he mates them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he does, Uh, and he did make a couple big ones this week, get that big touchdown there. Uh, This may be the first time we've all given our player of the week to a different game. We covered all four games with our players of the week this week. Let's round things out with our power rankings here. Uh, I'll give mine first. I've got Winnipeg at number one, BC at number two. Again, big win over Ottawa this week. I think they're more likely to finish with that home playoff game, which – Bodes well for them, I think, in a matchup with Calgary. So I have them at two, uh, although Calgary, big win this week. I'm not I'm not dealing with those simulation odds. I disagree. I'm going Calgary as number three for me. Bumped Montreal up to number four because they've been, uh, you know, on that roll lately. And uh, Toronto had that ugly loss this week. So they fall to number five. Hamilton sits around six. Not much to say on them after a bye week. Uh, I do have Edmonton at seven and Saskatchewan at eight, even though Edmonton's playoff hopes are obviously bleaker. I put them there because I feel like Edmonton is closer to where I think they should be at this point in the season. I expected them to, you know, get a bit better as the season went on, but probably still miss the playoffs where I had such higher expectations for Saskatchewan. So I put Edmonton because I feel like they're on the track where this year wasn't meant to be a playoff year for Edmonton. It's building for next year, so I put them at 7. And uh, Ottawa, another ugly loss. You fired your coach. You deserve ninth in my rankings there. Uh, What do you have this week, Mike?
1: Yeah, I had Winnipeg, Calgary, Toronto, BC, Montreal, Hamilton, Edmonton, Saskatchewan, Ottawa. Uh, The gap between Saskatchewan and Ottawa for 8 and 9 has gotten a lot smaller in recent weeks.
0: Yeah, and looking at Adam's rankings here, he's got Calgary at number one, Winnipeg at two. So Adam, I guess, maybe he's the one who wrote the uh, simulation article uh, for uh, for the CFL, because he's got Calgary at number one. I did question him on that this week when he sent that in, uh, and he said they've been playing better football and for a full 60 minutes. Uh, Calgary's D has been stronger lately. Uh, Winnipeg has scored a lot, but not dominating defense. Okay. I can agree with the take. That's the beauty of these power rankings is that we all have different takes on them. And, uh, it's interesting to say, uh, you know, who, which team is ahead of another, not just based on record here. So, uh, he's got Winnipeg at two BC at three, Montreal at four Toronto five, Hamilton at six, Saskatchewan at seven, Edmonton at eight. And as Adam does, throwing another team in there, the Western Mustangs make number nine this week after their 47-14 win versus McMaster. They're ranked number one in youth sports, which puts them ahead of the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, What did Trey have for his uh, power rankings this week, Mike?
1: Winnipeg, BC, Calgary, Toronto, Montreal, Hamilton, Edmonton, Ottawa, Saskatchewan. Can't really argue with any of that. Although I'm pretty sure just getting back to Adams rankings, the Western Mustangs could do both feet. Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the Ottawa Red Blast a pretty good game. And by pretty good game I think they could keep it within five touchdowns.
0: Yeah. Do you wanna go through Trey's rankings here? Yeah, I just I read them, yeah. No. Shows how much I'm paying attention. There's a lot of things happening in the chat. Uh, Richard says he's looking forward to you, Mike, being forced to switch BC and Toronto after they play next week. And uh, sounds like we may have Adam singing some Shania Twain on the podcast in upcoming weeks. So uh, so look forward to all of that. Uh, you can catch, uh, uh, I mean, our power rankings every week. If you want to ask Adam, if you want to ask Trey about theirs, you can find them on Twitter uh, at Stewart one at Trey for for. Uh, all of their CFL takes. Uh, I think that does it for tonight. let me just find the wrap up slides here uh, and take a look at what's coming next on the podcast. We've got our week 18 preview coming Wednesday night. The band is back together again uh, for the Wednesday night preview show where we'll take a look at each of the games, talk CFL fantasy options and make our picks against the spread Wednesday, 9.00 PM Winnipeg time, 8.00 PM Saskatchewan, Adjust to your other time zones accordingly still for another month. I looked it up today. The time change changes until November. I thought it's normally early October, but uh, nope, it's November this year. So another month of uh, separate time zones here. Uh, so we'll be talking through all of that Wednesday night, Adam, Trey, myself. Uh, and then on Monday night, we'll be back again Thanksgiving Monday, I believe, with our Week 18 recap. Or we'll do the same thing here. Talk about the major storylines, players of the week, power rankings, all that fun stuff. You can catch all these shows and more live every week over on a variety of platforms. Uh, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and the Game Time TV YouTube page. All made possible thanks to our presenting sponsor, Game Time TV. Which you can learn more about at GameTimeTV.ca or by following on Facebook at Facebook.com slash GameTimeTVMB. You want to follow us on social media? You can find the podcast on Twitter at CF Countdown Pod. Make sure you check out all the other great shows from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network as well. Uh, Mike, you've got a lot of things going on these days. You're a busy man, you haven't slept in like 48 hours or something stupid like that. So before you say goodnight and go to bed, uh, where can people find everything you're going on whenever you wake up next? <laughs>
1: Yeah, chances are I told you I was going to have a nap between uh, when I tested you this afternoon and about 45 minutes before the show, but that didn't happen. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MikeGerl, M-I-K-E-G-E-R-L. You can find my word stuff, watch.gametimetv.ca. Bomber fans might want to get excited because I
0: have a little something in the works. Ooh. So stay tuned. That's exciting. can't wait to find out what that might be. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Cooper Trooper 42. It starts with a K. If you want to talk CFL, CFL fantasy. Uh, if you want to talk about uh, NFL fantasy, NFL, I've been getting more into that this season. Uh, Mike, I started Marcus Mariota as my quarterback in NFL fantasy this week over Russell Wilson, because I had enough of Russell Wilson. Cooler heads did prevail. I didn't cut them. I put him on my bench. I unfortunately had to let go of Jahan Dotson instead, who did score a touchdown this week. So that was painful. But boy, am I glad I, uh, cooler heads prevailed, and I kept Russ after Marioto only put up three points on the week. But I still won my matchup because the guy I was playing against had Alvin Kamara, who was ruled out with an injury 20 minutes before the early 8.30 in the morning Sunday game. So... <laughs> I will take the victory where I can get it. So,
1: can I give a really quick shout out just to what's on my mind? Sure. Okay. So, everybody, I know this isn't a CFL related thing, but it's, it's, it's NFL related. Guys, one of the best NFL radio announcers is Paul Allen. He's the voice of the Vikings. Um, Eric, producer Eric, who was filling in on the editing side, uh, was a very happy man. Anyway, the Minnesota Vikings played in London this weekend. Well, let's try the 62-yard field goal to try to tie. And what happened is the field goal went off. One of the goal posts came down, hit the side crossbar. And the radio call of Paul Allen, you can find us on awfulannouncing.com. The radio call of Paul Allen in this sequence is not to be believed. He says something to the effect of, it's the double joint, it's the double joint, and the Saints kindle marching out. <laughs> and I literally watched that thing 16 times. I'm not going to imitate it by screaming, but I will suggest that people watch this call. Because it is unreal if you want to talk about broadcaster reactions to certain moments. Oh my goodness. Go watch it. Sounds like there was another fan on the field incident on Monday night football tonight. Look for a radio gold call by Kevin Harlan as well. I just love announcers when they show their passion for their team. and. I'm so glad CFL announcers can do that too. Go, Paul Allen. You are one of my favorite NFL announcers. Hope to meet you one day. Keep up the great work. Again, the double joint and the Saints Tyndall
0: marching out. That was the most That's absurd. The I that may be that was one of the only NFL like I don't want I I don't watch a lot of actual NFL action. I watched most of that game. Most absurd ending I've seen with uh, making a 61-yard field goal and then missing from 62 or whatever it was uh, shortly after that to, off the post. Uh, you couldn't write it anywhere better. Not a bad game for uh, the game in London there. Uh, you can, as I Why mentioned...
1: reminding me here just that apparently I made him jump at the game last night, which is true with one of my reactions. So maybe we'll have to get a camera on me for a hockey team
0: in ISO cam oh yes let's do it uh you, you can find trey on twitter at trey MB harness uh you can find adam uh, at adam stewart one uh also quick shout out to uh intern eric who uh filled in with editing and running the show behind the scenes for me the past couple of weeks while i was away so first of all thank you to eric and uh, i believe he's been uh, involved with some of your your hockey broadcasts as well so we love to see it here uh shout out to him uh, for all the help he's given along the way here as well. And, uh, uh, yeah, I think that's it for this week. You can find twi- uh, podcasts on Twitter at CF countdown pod, facebook.com slash CF countdown pod there as well. Whatever podcast platform you're listening on, we appreciate it if you do all the fun things such as like comment, subscribe, rate, review, share the show with your friends, help us grow the show. We always appreciate that. And on behalf of uh, Trey and Adam, who joined us in the chat this evening, uh, everybody who joined us here tonight in the chat as well. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for all the fun comments all evening long. On behalf of uh, Michael Garrell, I'm Ryan Coop saying thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.